0: Welcome to Church Online. I am so excited that you have joined us this morning. I'm Pastor Matt. I pray that our worship will be exciting and uplifting. I pray that the ministry of the word will work in your heart and that the Lord will do something special. Thank you again for joining us and enjoy the service. Man, well, so if you've been, uh, if you've been following along with us up until this point, uh, we're going through 1 Corinthians, and this week we're in chapter 10. Uh, so if you want to follow along with your Bibles, feel free to turn to First Corinthians chapter 10. Somebody got the live stream turned on. Um, if you want to go to First Corinthians chapter 10, that's where we'll be. And if you would like to read, uh, we publish the notes that we preach from every week. Uh, so they are on the website, BethlehemChurch.cc slash program. Um, and all of my notes are on there if you want to follow along with me that way. Um, so, yeah. I'm going to pray real quick, and we'll, uh, we'll jump in. Father, we love you. We thank you uh, for gathering us all here today, and we thank you for uh, your word and that you have preserved it for us. And uh, Father, we pray that uh, it would speak uh, to us all today and, and help us all to leave changed uh, from what we hear. Um, Father, this topic of Christian freedom is so weighty, and I pray that you allow me to kind of divide this up rightly and um, that, that it would, uh, everything would go well. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so my message title for today, and this will be a theme that kind of travels with us through the whole message or the whole chapter really, um, is called Escaping the Old Way. How many of you have ever, um, those of you who maybe are new believers or maybe you've been a believer for a long time, but how many of you know the struggle that it is escaping who you used to be? And if you're like me, you're like, I'm still kind of that person. It's kind of hard to, (laughs) it's hard to get away from that. Um, But if that's you, and I think it's, it's all of us, to a certain degree. Um, but this message, this chapter, Paul really dives into, uh, he dives into that topic. And so as we kind of, um, as we kind of open up here, I want to read uh, verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 1 through verse 5. For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not well pleased, for they were laid low in the wilderness. So you can, you can read further if you want, but Paul is, Paul is tracking on something here, and if you read further, you'll see, and even some of these stories, Paul is he's paraphrasing or caricaturing uh, the children of Israel's wanderings in the wilderness, and some of the rebellions that took place. Um, if you read Deuteronomy 32, uh, Paul is, he's using the same pattern to describe their journeys, and we'll figure out why as, as we move forward, but there's, there's a lot packed in here. There's a lot that Paul is talking about that he's drawing from, and all of it, you know, these are key failings of God's people in the wilderness, from grumbling to the golden calf to Korah's rebellion all of these things that if we if we read our old testaments they're all very plain and they're all very common stories. The hallmark though of Israel's failure that eventually led them into exile from the land was idolatry. And Paul sees fit to use this story to lay the groundwork for what he's about to say. And so basically, you know, 1 Corinthians all the way up until this point, you know, there's the past couple chapters at least there's been a theme of of what's kind of you know, should we or should we not eat meat sacrificed to idols? What are idols? And Paul, you know, Paul tackles these things. But where we're going today, it, it goes a little bit deeper than that. And so, just to kind of put this in your head so it's there, uh, today we're continuing our, you know, this conversation of this thing of Christian freedom and what does that look like? How does that apply? And And how do we, you know, how do we put that out there? Like, how do we use that and not abuse that? So, Paul, Paul sees fit to use the story. These, you know, these Israelite wandering stories, these rebellions, he sees fit to introduce this chapter with these stories. Well, why? You know, and if you're, you know, if you're anything like me, we read some of these Old Testament stories, and we read some of these narratives, and we're like, that's great that all that happened, but how does this apply to me? Because that's how we read Scripture, right? How does this apply to me? What can I get from this? You know, and what Paul's doing, we see, As he says it in verse 11, he says, now these things happened as an example for us, so that we would not crave evil things as they craved. So Paul's like, listen, this story, this, you know, these stories, rather, are recorded and you have them as a text for a reason. And that reason is so you don't pattern or make the same mistakes that the Israelites made. And that sounds, you know, it sounds like there's a disconnect, right? Because you've probably got about, I don't know. Maybe 1,000 to 1,500 years removed from when Paul is writing this letter to the Exodus. You know, and so the Corinthian church naturally is going to be like, well, Paul, that was then. You know, that was them, and, and, but this is now. Like things are different. We're stronger than they are. You know, the, the things that we deal with are different than what they're dealing with, right, Paul? And Paul would say no. No. He said, I'm introducing you to this story again And he gives a paraphrase, which tells you that they know the story. He's not going in depth. He's like, hey, remember this stuff? Hey, remember, (laughs) you know, what you grew up hearing as a kid in synagogue? I'm going to repeat it again because this is for you. It's for you because we face the same issues today that were faced by the Israelites. The same temptations and the same issues that plagued Israel after the Exodus still plagued the Corinthian church, and guess what? They still plague us today. And that's what Paul is warning about. And he issues this warning after saying that. He says, therefore, in verse 12, therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. Paul says, listen, if you think that, you know, if I'm telling you this and you read it and you think that, oh, well, that's, that's not something that we have to worry about today. Paul says, take heed. Take heed that you don't make the same mistakes that they did, because You will. That's, that's the warning that Paul gives, and it's all based around these stories, and guess what the common thread with all of this is? It's idolatry. And so, as we move forward, <laughs> I'm spitting all over the place, y'all are in the splash zone. Um, as we move forward, that's kind, of the, that's kind of the issue specifically in the chapter that Paul deals with, but we'll see that there's more, uh, there's more going on with that than what's on the surface level. So... It, what's important to see here, and this is like a good takeaway for all of us, what's important to see here is that we are not better than or stronger than those that have come before us when it comes to our sin. We're just not. This was, for Paul, this was an issue more than a millennia prior, and it continued, and it was still, you know, 2,000 years since this letter, roughly, was written to the Corinthians, it's still an issue. You know, idolatry is still an issue, and it's kind of foreign to us in the West, but it's very much so still an issue in the world today. Things don't change. There's, uh, Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. You know, things change. Okay, yeah, they didn't have automobiles and, you know, 200 years ago, but these, these root issues, these things that we face are still the same. And if we view life that way, then we will go to scripture, and though it is old and though it is unchanging, it's addressing the same issues. It's addressing the same issues. So when it comes to escaping the old way, when it comes to being who you don't want to be, Which is the old man, Paul says. When it comes to escaping that, how how do we escape? I think we're all sitting here today and nobody nobody can honestly say that you don't want to be the better version of yourself. Right? Like nobody, nobody really thinks that. And if you do, well, feel free to raise your No, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, but nobody, you know, we all want to be the best that we can be, right? And so This is practical to all of us, myself included. How do we escape the old man? How do we escape the old nature? Paul says this in verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you, but such is, (laughs) I always get this mixed up, Paul's words, such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. Quick commercial break here. This is one of my, and we talked about this this week, and we just have to hit it, because we have to. Um, but this is one of those those Bible verses that is just grossly taken out of context and slapped on a mug or a t-shirt, and we're like, God's not going to give you more than you can handle. Yeah, it's great. You know, that's encouraging. And when you really read what Paul's saying, you're like, that doesn't really sound like it. But, but we use it, and you know, you know, if somebody comes to you and they're like, man, you know, I'm just really having a hard time this week. I'm struggling with this, that, or the other. And your response is, God's not going to give you more than you can handle. And how many of you think that's an offensive thing to say? Because I do. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. You know, but, but that's, that's how we take that. And so what I want to do is just for a minute, we're just going to kind of break down where exactly this verse is going. And so the first thing is the root of all temptation is the same. Paul says it right away. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. He's like, listen, the things that you're facing, and right, we circle back to the Israelite story, the things that you're facing are not new. The issues that we are facing, the problems that you have are problems that humans have had for a long time. You know, there's nothing new. Paul says these, all of these issues are the same. You know, the root of all of these issues is the same. And so even if the circumstances are different, they're the same. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. What Paul's saying is like, listen, he's not going to allow you to be tempted more than you can bear because he's made a way of escape. Does that make sense? Like this, this issue and you, you being able to take a certain amount of something, it has zero to do with God, you know, it's not like he's like, okay, you know, this scale can hold 499 pounds, so we're gonna put 498.9 on there, and we're gonna press you until you can't hold anything else, and then we're gonna let it go. Like, that's not, that's not what's going on. Paul says, you won't be tempted more than you can bear because he's made a way of escape. That's, that's it. It's not about how good you are or how, you know, how crafty you can be with getting through these temptations and dealing with these things. It's about how faithful God is. And so, in the face of temptation, here's what we need to do. We need to understand the nature of it. We need to lay down our pride, the, the attitude that says, this is what it is, and I'm strong enough to deal with it. I can overcome it. Like, I'm, you know, I'm the best version of me, right? You know, I've been watching Tony Robbins all week, and I'm going to beat this thing. You know, like, that's, in the 21st century, that's how we, that's how we face our issues. We get hyped up, and, you know, and we just do it you know, but that's not, Paul's like, listen, you're, you're powerless, the only, the only way of escape that you have is the one that he gave you, and we think, we actually think in our humanist minds that we have the ability to deliver ourselves from it, and we just don't, we just don't, and so as we move through here, this theme, right, keep, keep thinking this in your mind, how do we escape the old way, how do we escape the old way, verse 13 tells us that, It says, hey, look, God's provided a way. Okay, how? So here's, and here's something that I thought was good that Paul kind of hits on in this chapter. If we truly desire to escape the old way, and we all, hey, I got, I am a witness. I saw everybody raise their hand. You all want to do it. We all don't want to be the old person. How do we escape that? If we truly desire to escape the old way, the old person, we, not old people, the old, you get what I mean, Um, We have to understand that it is only through the way that he has provided. That's it. This is the way. I forgot my Mandalorian mug downstairs. But, like, there there is one way. I love Star Wars. There is one way to overcome this, and that is through the way that he has provided. And so when you think about this concept, like God providing a way, God being provider, right? Like this... For a lot of us, if you've you've been around the Bible a long time, this story might come to mind, where Abraham is told to sacrifice his son. It's a familiar story to a lot of us, but in uh, Genesis 22, verse 13, the Bible says this. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thickets by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering in the place of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place, Yahweh will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it will be provided. Just to give you the, the elevator pitch of this story, you know, Abraham is, you know, he's called out of Ur of the Chaldeans, which is northern Mesopotamia, Babylon, um, and, you know, he's, he's journeying through Canaan, and, and God supernaturally allows him to have children with his, his wife, who was, you know, the Bible says was barren, and Abraham's like, wow, that's awesome, we've got a son, and you know, he's going to grow up, and and God said that through my seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, and Isaac, and then God comes to Abraham one day, and he says, hey, I want you to take your your son up to Mount Moriah, and I want you to sacrifice him on an altar, and Abraham said, okay, and for some of us who have children, they catch you on a bad day, and you're like, yeah, (laughs) let's do that, that sounds like a good idea, Lord, thank you so much. (laughs) And my daughter's on the chopping block today because she's been, she's been bad all morning. But, you know, we read this story, and then, you know, the, if you know the end of it, you know, Abraham, you know, he's got the knife over his son, and, and the angel comes, and he says, all right, stop, you know, now I know, now I know that you will be faithful to me. Now I know that you truly believe what you say you believe, Abraham, and I'm paraphrasing, you know, but God ultimately says, hey, don't do that. That's a bad thing. But, but Abraham was just like, all right. Let's do it, and God provided a way. He provided a way that was, <laughs> that was contrary to what Abraham thought he was gonna have to give up. And so what does this teach us? It's, you know, this is a reiteration. The only way is the way that he provides. And so, listen, Abraham, and here's, and this is a theme that's going to carry through the chapter, Abraham was willing to put himself last in this situation. Abraham got a call from God, and God said, <laughs> on the phone, right? Um, you know, he gets a call and God says, "The thing that I supernaturally gave you, the thing that, that originated from me, that I gave you, that you love, your're everything, your only son, I'm going to ask you to give it up." And Abraham was willing to give that up. He was willing to take the vision that he had for his life, he was willing to take what he wanted and what he desired, and he put it in the back seat to what God wanted. He was willing to put himself last. He was willing to put what he knew God wanted. You got a Gmail notification on your iPad. Um, no, it's okay. Um, he was willing to put what he wanted last. I didn't see what it was. It's okay. <laughs> but sometimes, sometimes the way that God provides, sometimes if we want to be in that way, Sometimes if we want to, <laughs> to get where God wants, that involves us allowing our needs and our wants to take a back seat. And that's a, that's a truth that, you know, in our culture today is just not, you know, we get up every day and we work hard to get what we want and, and we have a right to that because we worked hard for it and nobody could take that from us. But God says, no. <laughs> you, you trusting in the way and you, you doing what is right means taking what you value and putting somebody else's needs before it. Like, this is, this is very counter, uh, I don't know if counter-logical is a term, but this is, not, this is not a logical thing to do. And Paul kind of, he, he moves forward from this, and we're, we're kind of tracking, we're, we're moving towards the idolatry piece here. Um, verse 14, Paul says, therefore, my beloved, in light of all of the stories, in light of all of these things that I just told you, he says, therefore, brethren, flee from idolatry. Pretty simple, right? But here's here's the thing, right? All of us who who struggle with something, all of us who have a hard time saying no to things that we know we shouldn't say yes to, like it sounds really easy to just say stop doing it, right? But we know that we can. We know that the urge within us day to day says you need that. Your body's telling you I I just, I need to feel that way and you need to do what you're going to do to get it. And Paul says, just, just flee it. But that's difficult, right? And I'm sure, you know, in a room full of people, we all have things that we struggle with that we can't, we can't just put it away. We can't just get past it. Why? Because we're human. That's just it's who we are. We struggle. And with, with, escaping, with escaping this old way, with escaping the old man, we have to understand something. That when it comes to temptation... The hardest thing to do is say no, and only by the power of the Spirit can we truly have freedom from the old way. That's it. That's all we got. That's the way. Paul says this in uh, Galatians 5. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, for these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. Paul says, listen, this, this thing, this person of the Holy Spirit is all that you have in your corner working against human depravity. That's it. And he says, guess what? Every day when you wake up, your body and the Spirit, they're fighting. They're, they're throwing hands with each other. Why? Because they've got a disagreement. Why? Because your life is in the balance every day as to whether you will obey what you and your body want or what you know the Spirit wants. We all know the right thing to do, but we don't do it. Like, we, like we, all, we all know the feeling where you're like, ah. You know, I knew I should have did that, but I didn't. You know, it's like me. My wife's in the back and she can testify, but my hamper is five feet from my bed. And where do my clothes go? Not there, that's not where they go. They go everywhere but there, you know. And, and hey, maybe I'm the only one. Guys, I know I'm not the only one. But, but we, it's so hard to do the right thing. We know what the right thing to do is and we just can't do it. And Paul's solution is like, hey, walk in the spirit because it's the only tool in your tool belt that you have that will allow you to have victory over this. Why? Because he's made a way, his way is the only way, and his way is the spirit. His way is allowing, taking a step back, sitting in the back seat and allowing him to guide you through it, allowing him to give you victory because we can't provide that for ourselves. We just can't. That's what, that's what Paul is getting at here. And, and this issue, to give you some context, this issue of idolatry that the church is, is facing at Corinth, like it's, and, and we've, we've hit it in weeks past, and we'll probably talk about, um, we have a conversation every week, we'll probably talk about more of the details that we missed um, in that video that we put up in our Facebook group. Um, but what's kind of going on here is the, you know, in the ancient world, you know, if you... So, okay, so we're familiar with the Lord's Supper. I'll start there. That's a thing that the church does. We break bread, we drink juice, wine, whatever, depending on your denominational preference. Um, Some people use wine, some don't, but it's a meal. It is a sacred meal. It's an ordinance that the church keeps. Why? Because it means something. In the Old Testament, the priesthood, they would share meals together in God's house, and that was a symbol of that they were members of God's covenant, and he was dwelling among them. They were in his house having a meal, Like, they were fellowshipping. It was fellowship with God. That's what this means. And so, in the first century, when Paul's writing to this church, what they were doing was they were taking sacrifices, they were taking meats that were sacrificed in pagan temples, and they were bringing them into their worship services. And they were, it was like this intermingling of of Christian worship, but also a little bit of this, and a little bit of that, and a little bit of this stuff left over from the, you know, worship night at the Temple of Artemis the night before. Like, there's a lot going on here, and what Paul's addressing is like, listen, I know you don't think it's a big deal, and I know Jesus is greater than those gods, but, like, look at the Israelites. Look at, look at those that have gone before you and acknowledge that this is a problem, that this is something that you don't want to mess with, to the point that you, you should be fleeing from it. And Proverbs says this, the prudent man sees the evil and hides himself but the naive go on and are punished for it. Paul's like, listen, this, like, what you really need to do is you need to get the heck out of Dodge. Like, there's no, there is no dealing with this, there is no allowing this to coexist because it makes somebody feel better. Like, no, get rid of it. And for all of us, none of, I mean, some of you might have idols in your houses, I don't know, but I would assume most of you don't, but for us, like, we have to understand that, like, this applies to all sin in our life. Like, whatever you keep around, whoever you keep around, that, that is allowing you to keep slipping back into the old person, to the old way, they need to be gone. It needs to be gone. Whatever it is. Paul says, run from it. Paul moves on in uh, verse 15. Man, we're getting to the good stuff. Verse 15, I speak as to wise men. You judge what I say. He says, listen, you're smart, guys. You judge what I say. He says, is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread, this is, he's talking about meals here, and this is what we were just talking about. Is not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ, since there is one bread, we who are many are one body, one church. For we all partake of the one bread. And then he says, again, he's circling back to these stories. Look at the nation of Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifices sharers in the altar? He's like, listen, you guys know how this stuff works. You know what meals are. You know what you're doing. And all of you, like, we all know what we're doing. We all know what is good and what is not to do, or what, what is not good to do. And so Paul makes references to these meals, and I have some. If you're looking at the program, I just have some bullet points kind of highlighting some of the contrasts between these. Um, if you want to, if you want to go through those, but but communal meals like this is a big deal in the ancient Near East. Communal meals have strong ties to corporate worship in the Old and New Testament. But these practices were not exclusive to God, to God's people. There's there's a lot of parallels in ancient religions that line up with Israelite religion and with Christianity. Why? Because it's you know it's one world, one thought process, and God inserts Himself into this situation, but maybe we could talk more about that this week um, on the conversation. Um, Paul says, what do I mean then? He's getting to the meat, pun intended here, of the conversation. He says, what do I mean then that a thing sacrificed to idols is anything or that an idol is anything? He says, no, but I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to become sharers in demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. The issue here, and this is kind of where the rubber is really going to meet the road in this chapter. The issue here is, within the church, this, was, this is more about their pride than the actual practice. They were so convinced that they were fine. They were so convinced that what they were doing was okay. That it'll all be, will all be, It's all good that they allowed pagan practices to coexist with their worship, these, these meals that they were having together. And to serve what they wanted and to exercise what they felt was best, they allowed idolatry to coexist within the church. And Paul uses this illustration. He says that they are sharers in Christ, but worries they will become sharers in demons. Now that sounds kind of foreign, so we can unpack that a little bit. How many of you are familiar with like stock trading? The concept, maybe you haven't. If you're like me, you've lost more money in it than you're willing to admit, because you're bad. Lordstown. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but we're all familiar with what it means to be a shareholder, right? And and to kind of maybe plug that word into what Paul is using for sharer, it flows off the tongue a little easier too, But but to be a shareholder, you have a hold, you have a part in something. And Paul says, listen, you can't, like, you can't be a shareholder in, in this and this at the same time. You're, you don't want to split your investment. Like, why would you make a bad and a good investment intentionally at the same time? Because you're going to lose. Like, you can, you can try to play the odds, but you're really playing yourself, is what Paul is saying. Like, you, you cannot, he says, you cannot share the table. You cannot be at the table with demons and the Lord, Lord at the same time. You just, you just can't. And so, he worries though, and this is something that I that I picked up when I was reading it, and I was like, "Man, this is pretty, uh, this is pretty heavy." Um, but Paul says this. Look at the look at the verbiage there in verse uh, verse twenty. He says, uh, "I do not want you to become sharers in demons." He's writing to the church, and he says, "Listen, I worry, I worry here where your loyalty is. I worry that because you've let this creep in, if it continues to go on, I don't know where you're going to be." Like, I don't, I don't know what, what that road looks like for you. Why? Because sin is a slippery slope. And I don't know if any of you, I don't know if there's a video up, but there was a, a slide at teen camp. And whew, dude, this thing was like a quarter mile long, and it was slippery, and it was like a hard L at the bottom, and I, I hit, and I probably got two inches shorter when I hit the bottom. <laughs> My bad. I, I did it twice, and I was like, I'm 26, and I'm too old for this. I can't. I can't do it anymore, you know, but, but sin is a lot like that. It's a slippery slope, and it hurts at the bottom. It just does, <laughs> but, but what Paul is saying is, listen, listen, he says, I, he's like, you, I'm worried. I'm worried about where, where your whateverness about this is going to take you. Like, you don't think it's a big deal? He's like, I think it's a very big deal. Israel, he's like, ask them. Ask the thousands of people that died in Korah's rebellion, ask all the people that died with the golden calf incident, ask anybody who's ever been a part of Israel's life, ask them how idolatry went for them. Ask them when they were exiled in Babylon, how it went for them. Ask them when the Assyrians slaughtered their families, how that went for them. Paul says this is a, this is a big issue, and it should not be ignored, and if you do ignore it, I worry where you're going to be, you know, five, six months, five years down the road. We just, he's like, if you, you know, if you keep tugging with this, he's like, you're already letting it in. He's like, you're gonna lose. Why? Because you've neglected the way that, that God has made. God has made a way of escape, and that is walking in the spirit, and you're not doing that. He says, you're not, you're not doing that. To be a sharer is to be a part. Paul's concern was, he felt like the church could have their cake and eat it too. I don't know what that phrase means, but I, you know, I'm like, so, okay. So if I have cake, should I not eat it? But you guys get the metaphor. You know, that's, you know, they felt like they could have their cake and eat it too, and I do too. Um, <laughs> listen, you can't, whoop. My bad, sound guy. Um, sorry, Kyle. <laughs> you cannot escape, this is so key, and this is what Paul's getting at here. You cannot escape the old way and the old person if you attempt to play both sides of the fence. Right? like you're either in or you're not you're either on one side or you're, you're on the other and this is why Paul urges them to put a full stop to what they're doing, he minced no words he didn't say like well if this if you do this this is okay, he said no stop, flee flee idolatry, put it away like forever, lock, lock it in the closet burn the closet down and move that's it, that's what Paul said quote me moving on from that <laughs> Paul says this, All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. And these are, man, there's so much packed in here. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own good, but that of his neighbor. Eat anything that is sold in the meat market without asking questions for conscience' sake. For the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. For if one of the unbelievers invites you and you want to go eat anything that is set before you without asking questions, for conscience sake. But if anyone says to you, this is meat sacrifice to idols, do not eat it, for the sake of the one who informed you and for conscience sake. I mean not your own conscience, but the other man's. For why, Paul says this, for why is my freedom judged by another's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I slandered concerning that for which I give thanks? And then he says, whether then you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I also please all men and all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of the many, so that they may be saved. So Paul's putting a bow on this, this, this conversation of Christian freedom. And if I may, for just a moment, there's a line in Jurassic Park that perfectly summarizes this statement. And that's when Jeff Goldblum looks in and he sees them recreating dinosaurs, and he says, you thought way too hard about whether you could do it that you didn't ask yourself if you should do it. And I think Paul looks forward in some way and saw him say that and was like, yeah, that's fitting. I like that. Paul says all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. Just because you can do it does not mean that you should do it. It, it doesn't. And let's, let's think about it this way. Let's, let's hit it from a different angle right, like there's, so we, we've talked a lot about freedom in Christ over the past couple weeks, and Paul has said over and over again, like, all things are lawful, like, you've been set free from the law, like, it doesn't, you know, to, to kind of almost contradict what he said prior, like, it doesn't, the meat itself that was offered to the idols that you're eating, like, that's, that in and of itself is fine, he's like, the issue isn't that, the issue is the spectacle that that creates in the community, The issue is that when you buy from a guy at the market and he says, yeah, man, fresh off the whatever, however this stuff gets prepared, you know, it was sacrificed so-and-so last night, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to take that to worship later. Love it. You know, that's, that's the issue for Paul. The issue for Paul isn't that you're eating it, it's that the guy in the market knows that you're a Jesus follower, and you now know where the meat came from, and you're going to take that back. And in his mind, in this other gentleman's mind, you're participating in pagan worship as a Jesus follower. That's what's happening. And Paul says it's not about the meat, it's about the fact that you have belittled your God. You have now lowered him from Lord of heaven and earth to member of the Greek pantheon because you worship multiple based on what you've just shown to this gentleman at the marketplace. And Paul says it is not effective witness to, to look like you're bowing to other gods. It's not. And he says, listen, don't play both sides of the fence. You can't, you can't have one and the other. You cannot worship the Lord and worship whoever they're worshiping. He's like, it's not good. And it doesn't, it doesn't look good to the community. Paul said, don't ask questions. We read it and we're like, I, I, that was the first thing that stuck got to me when I read it. He's like, hey, don't ask questions, keep that hush hush. Don't say nothing. Don't tell anybody where you got it, you know? And you're like, okay, why? Why would Paul say that? Because that, at face value, sounds kind of shady. Because, once again, the issue, it's not the thing. It's that you know about it. It's that you know where that thing came from. You know what it's associated with, and you will partake of it anyway, and you don't care who knows about it. And that's a problem. And to, to translate that into the 21st century, it's the same thing where we feel like we can partake in whatever we wanna partake in and we don't answer to anybody. Because I know my Bible, I know I could do that, you could shove it. That's our attitude. But is that, is that the right attitude to have? Is that the right attitude to have when we should be concerned about having a gospel witness? Like sure, you can do that thing. You're not going to hell for doing that thing, but what does that look like to somebody else who needs Jesus? Like, do they see that and say, well, that's hypocritical. Well, that doesn't look like something that I'd want to be a part of. Like, you've, you've now alienated somebody because you've chosen to not deny yourself. And that's, that's where this conversation, as we, as we kind of wind things down a little bit, that's where the conversation is going is, is Paul says, listen, you're, all of these problems is that you're prideful, and that you refuse to regulate yourself, and that you feel like you're more important. Like, that's, that's where all of this is going. So, Paul says it's a conscience issue, but it's not yours, it's your neighbor's. So, ultimately, what matters for Paul, right, is the testimony of those who are a part of the church. His desire is for the world around them to know that they are loyal to Jesus, and will not bow to other gods. This displays that the church doesn't view Jesus as a member, of some other group or class of gods, but as Lord of all of them, because he will not share his glory with another. I have Isaiah 42, 8. He says, I am the Lord, that is my name. I, I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to graven images or idols. And so if we're, if we're putting, here's the thing, here's, here's super practical. If we're putting others first, if we're, if we're putting ourselves last, like remember Abraham, if we're, if we're willing to put what we want in the back seat, if we put others first, we are then putting him first. We are putting God first by doing that. And a lot of us, you know, we come here and we're like, I'm gonna go to church on Sunday and I'm gonna worship the Lord, but, but are we really? Like when we go home, when we go to work tomorrow, are we worshiping while we're at work? And I don't mean like you're singing and annoying people at work, that's not what I mean. Because if I did that and I work here, it would be frowned upon. You, you get what I'm saying? Like, are we worshiping? In Hebrew, the same word for worship is the same word for work. Like these, you know, there's, there's, a, there's like an action involved here. And so when we're, when we're going about our lives, we worship the Lord by putting ourselves last. We worship the Lord by putting the needs of others first. Why? Because we deserve, because we deserve to have less? No, because that person deserves to know Jesus. And if and if they can if that can be accomplished by me going without then that's great. That's the idea. That's the gospel. Is me putting myself last so they can be first. That's Jesus lived a whole life of self-denial. Why? Because his life was for others. And as imagers, as imitators, as we'll see, Paul says in chapter 11 verse 1, that is our calling. Our calling is not to serve ourselves. Our calling is not to live life in a way that gets us as much as we can get and we hoard it. Our life is not to live in such a way that like, yeah, that's, you know, the Bible says that's okay, so I'm just gonna do it. I don't care who thinks what about it. No, the Bible is about Jesus. Well, (laughs) that's an overstatement. But this passage, Paul is talking about Jesus has given us freedom, right? With Abraham, the parallel God gave, supernaturally gave him everything that he had his son, his only son, which in the ancient Near East is a big deal. That's like, that's everything. There is nothing more valuable in the world than that. Jesus has given us everything that we have. And if we are followers of him, that means that we are exercising the right to give it up. Jesus has given you freedom, free and clear, but the the Christ-like thing to do for us is to relinquish that and say, I will be in bondage to myself for the sake of others. I am going to live my life in such a way, I am going to worship the Lord in a way that reflects that I am all about getting the gospel to other people. Paul's challenge in uh, chapter 11, verse 1. It's a short statement, but it's super loaded. He says, don't worship images. I'll read the verse here. Be images of me just as I also am of Christ. Paul says, listen, do what I do, which sounds prideful, but Paul was kind of the dude, just being honest, you know? But what he's saying, the, the, the Greek here, you know, this, this, the word image could be placed over that, and if you read Genesis 2, mankind was created in God's image, which means we are his representatives. And so what Paul is saying is that be an imager as I am an imager. Reflect Christ as I reflect Christ, which means I put myself last, isn't that exciting? Don't you guys love depriving yourself of things? It's the best. I love it. I love, yeah, it's so great. So that's, you know, as we kind of put a bow on this idea of Christian freedom, like how do we, how do we defeat the old man? I, every time I say that, it just, the mental image in my head is not good. How do we, how do we defeat the old way? How do we escape the old way? Like, it's, it's all about living in the power of the Spirit and, and putting others before yourself. You'd be amazed how much your problems disappear when you spend less time worrying about them and more time worrying about others. You'd be amazed at how small they get when you are invested in the lives of others and not consumed with thinking about all that you have going on all the time. Trust me, it works. But that, like, how, how do we, how do we escape? How do we escape, Paul says very plainly, walk by the Spirit. He's made a way for you to escape this, and you need to take it. And that is one way, through his son Jesus. And walking in his Spirit, denying yourself. It's almost like, it's almost like he's echoing the words of Jesus when Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. That's what Jesus said. It's not what Paul said, it's what Jesus said. And he says, this is the way. The way is, is putting others before yourself so others can see what they need to see, and that's the gospel. And so, before we go, I have three practical takeaways, some homework for you, good stuff. Denying myself and getting homework. Great day at church. Three practical takeaways. Number one, rely on his faithfulness and not your strength. All of us, all of us in here, we've all got shortcomings, and we've all, we're all strong people, right? But ultimately, we're just... We're just not strong enough to to get, we're not strong enough to defeat the old way. We just aren't. And so the solution to that is rely on his faithfulness. Paul said because he's faithful, he's made a way. Because God is faithful to his promise, he has made a way of escape. And that way is Jesus. So walk in the spirit. What do I mean by that? Well, how are are you praying? How is your prayer life? And and here's the thing, and I, I had mentioned this this morning, like in our day and age, like, and it was, um, you know, how many of you have a hard time praying? You don't have to raise your hand. I do. It's a struggle. It's difficult. Um, <laughs> I thought you were raising your hand. Oh. <laughs> you, you all saw it. Pastor Matt raised his hand. Um, you know, but we struggle with it. But yet it's so simple. Like, it, it's, there are far more complicated things to do in the world. But we don't do it. and We struggle with it. We struggle with reading our Bible. Yet there's free apps that will literally read it to you in like Morgan Freeman's voice. But we still don't read it, right? Like we, we all have cars with air conditioning and you know we still don't come to church. Like It, it is easier than ever to have access and to, and to live a fruitful spiritual life, but we just don't do it. And so I'm telling you today, walk in the Spirit. Take advantage of the tools you have at your disposal to walk in the Spirit. Because that is the way. Practical takeaway number two. Don't play both sides of the fence. We're all here this morning, and how many of us are going to be a different person tomorrow when we go to work? Don't play both sides of the fence. Because guess what? One, At some point, one way or another, you can't live a double life. One life will win. And Paul says if you're, if you're already giving over to the flesh, if you're already giving over to the old way, the old way is going to win. Don't take the chance. Don't play both sides of the fence. You cannot be at the Lord's table and at the table of demons. And that sounds harsh, right? We don't talk about demons much, but Paul is like, there, are, there is, you know, there are active spiritual forces that do not want well for you that are pulling one direction. And the choice is yours, though. Like, the Bible says, greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world. Like, there is, you know, there is nothing that we don't have in our corner, but I'm, what I'm asking you is, are you, are you accessing it? Are you using it for what you could be using it for? Takeaway number three. Deny yourself by putting someone else's needs in front of your own. We all have somebody that we will intersect and cross paths with this week, whether it's at home, whether it's at work. Babe, I'm gonna put my, put my clothes in the hamper this week. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I, I know it's convenient to just throw them on the floor, but I'm gonna put them in the hamper, I promise. I'm gonna do it because the Bible said so. But there is somebody in your path this week that you can show Jesus to not by cracking open your Bible and giving them a theology lesson, but by putting yourself last. There's somebody. All of you have a somebody. And whoever that somebody is, if we're, if we're too consumed with ourselves to put ourselves last, that's a problem. We're not walking in the Spirit, and we are playing both sides of the fence. That's a problem. But all of us, if we're, if we're operating in the way, if we're operating in the Spirit, all of us have the same opportunity to put ourselves last this week. I don't care with who or what, but, but try it. Deny yourself this week. Fast for a day this week, that's a hard one. It's really hard. Just ask my wife, we did the 21 day fast and two days in I was like, this is awful. Why do people do this? This isn't spiritual, I don't feel spiritual right now. You know, like it was, it was difficult. I was like, you know, what is this, what is this whole grain spaghetti? Like I, I you know, yeah. Anyway, Daniel Fast. look it up, it's miserable. But hey, I think we're gonna do it again next year. So everybody should be a part. It's gonna be amazing. God's gonna do great things. But deny yourself this week. Walk in the spirit this week. And choose to stay on the right side of the fence this week. Thank you for watching and joining us for Our Church Online. I pray this experience was just what you needed today. If you made a decision for the Lord to follow Christ, or if the Lord did something in your heart that was special today, we would love to hear about it. Post it in the comments. Send us a message, and we'll reach out to you. Have a wonderful week, and God bless.